0: Welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This time I'll be talking to Tracy Cook about her amazing aerial landscapes and her creative journey. Tracy is Perth based and focuses mainly on the fascinating landscapes and patterns created by the Salt Lakes and Landscapes of Western Australia. She brings her passion for the environment and the fragile ecologies of these locations to life in stunning colours, shapes and patterns. We discuss her creative origins, her exploratory drive to find unique locations that are rarely captured in such detail and beauty. We also touch on how she stays safe when camping in the outback, often alone. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Tracy, welcome to the podcast. How are you going?
1: Uh, yeah, good, thanks. Thank you very much for having
0: me. Ah, absolute pleasure. I saw your work on Instagram and thought there is a photographer that I need to talk to. Um, and, you know, I'm really pleased that you you said yes. And uh, I've, I've been looking at your work for a little while. And uh, I, I think, um, you know, I, I'd like my listeners and I'd certainly like to hear more about how you do what you do. So how did, how did you kind of get started? in photography and you know in particular drone and landscape photography
1: um i think i've I've been playing with photography for uh probably quite a while probably about 10 15 years probably about 15 years yep um i and realistically it came about as um some changes happened in my life and i decided that i wanted to do some different stuff and so I found I was just kind of walking around aimlessly and I grabbed a camera and started taking photos. Um, mm-hmm. A really nice guy that I worked with um, was very encouraging um, and he still is very encouraging and I kind of attribute um, everything that even that I do now to the interest that he took and the encouragement that he he um, gave me all those years ago. Oh, so um, yeah. That's nice. and then when I moved to Australia obviously I didn't know anyone I started out in Canberra and that's a pretty weird place to start out living in Australia um, and um, so I just used to go for big long drives and um, I would take my camera with me and I'd just take photos yeah it's just a, kind of from
0: there there's a lot of lot of interesting landscape around uh, around Canberra with the, uh, the the mountains the Brindabellas and you know, if you go further afield, yeah, you, know, you can get down to the Snowies and so forth. Yeah,
1: but, absolutely. And and even Lake
0: George, you know, which is what well, yeah. half an hour out of town, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I actually tried to drive on Lake George once, and um, I realised pretty quickly that that was probably not a good idea, and I backed up really quick.
0: So, <laughs> no, it's a, to
1: try that again on a Salt Lake.
0: No, it's de- definitely not not something. To, well, certainly not in a normal car. Maybe maybe a tank, you might get across it.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. But it's interesting because um, where I was with photography, even when I came over to Australia, which was almost 10 years ago, and so driving around and, and all the places that I went to, I, it was nothing for me to do 600Ks in a weekend just to go and have a look around. Sure, um, I'd really like to go back now, knowing what I know now and with the gear that I have now, particularly with the drone, because I think I you know I would see it from a whole different perspective and I think it would be really cool.
0: Okay. So you came to 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 Canberra. Where where from? New Zealand. Yep. Whereabouts?
1: So born in the South Island, raised in the North Island, and um, just kind of got to the point where I decided that um, I needed to leave home at some stage. So I gave my daughter a couple of years to get used to being independent in a safe environment, and mm-hmm. she always had the option to come with me if she wanted or or not. But it was kind of up to her. She'd finish school. Um, so she stayed there and I came here and, um, yeah, that was kind of it. It was quite terrifying, to be frank, leaving so my you, girl you at home.
0: You left one of the most magnificent landscapes in the world to come to a different magnificent landscape.
1: I know. and it's. <laughs> taken, I, I guess you and, weren't
0: doing it for photography reasons, were you?
1: No, it was, it was more about getting away from, it was getting out of, um, staying home and staying in New Zealand and, and sort of broadening my horizons and seeing what I could do work wise and everything. Yeah, I was yeah. a single mum for a long time um, and I really wanted to try and get ahead. It's very hard to get ahead as a single mum back in New Zealand. It certainly was yeah, right. and back then. So, um, yeah, there was a lot more opportunity. The pay was better over here. And so I guess I followed the money and the opportunity.
0: Yep, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah.
1: yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: So um, you're now uh, Perth based. So you know, and looking through your your Instagram feed, you know, lots of amazing aerial shots. You know, what is it about that landscape? I guess that has really grabbed you. That's made you made you do what you want to do.
1: Well it's 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 kind of funny I remember um, so from Canberra I went to Brisbane and I was there for a year and and met a lot of really cool photographers and sort of started getting into things there, and then I got offered a job in. Um, Perth, so I packed up all my worldly goods and bought a trailer and drove all the way over here, and as I drove into. Um, WA that as I drove through the whole country, the whole country was pretty amazing at the time it was September so. No, what's the date today? Actually, today I've been in WA exactly seven years.
0: Wow! Yeah.
1: Um, so there was a lot of canola. It was canola season, so yeah. the whole way across the country, it was it was yellow and green, yellow and green. It was pretty cool. And then, as I drove into WA, I saw these kind of weird landscapes that didn't really have anything in them, and I didn't really know what they were. And so I sort of investigated and found out they were salt lakes and I hadn't really seen that many anywhere else in Australia. Obviously, now I know there's there's lots everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hadn't really known about it. So, yeah, I just find them really quite fascinating.
0: Yeah, so They're what really, is it? Um, is it the shapes or the...
1: Uh, what is it? It's, it's the shapes, it's the colours, it's the textures, it's the changes, it's the difference from one week to the next. I've been to the same series of salt lakes probably every weekend for like a month to six weeks and just even the changes that i've seen during that time span has just been incredible mm. and it's all really weather dependent yeah. and, and everything it's, it's it just changes all the time it's amazing
0: yeah yeah i mean i, I I've, I've got to say they're, they're probably some of the nicest you know aerial landscapes that i've seen and I've, I've seen quite a few um in terms of just their the the variation in those colors and shapes uh yeah. you know for me the, some, some of them are just so striking that you you just look at it and go wow you know that, how how the, where is that you know <laughs> i yeah, want to go exactly. there <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and to me that that's the mark of a really good photo is, you know, I want to go there and see that and, you know, try and not necessarily replicate it. But, you know, I want to see that for myself, you know. Yeah.
1: And there's so many salt lakes over here, like I've probably not even seen half of them yet. And it it does seem to be my preferred, my preferred um, Target, I guess my preferred shooting at the moment. Yeah.
0: When when you go out, what are what are you what are you taking with you, and what are you how, how are you setting up for for a shoot? I guess.
1: So when I go out, I have I've just got the one drone. I've got a little Tello, but I can't really fly that outside; it gets blown away. Um, so I've got a Mavic Two Pro. I have five batteries um, that I charge on a. I have a, a a deep cycle battery in the in the car. So I have it all set up to keep charging and running my fridge and everything. Um, And then I have two Nikon D850s as well and a bunch of lenses. So sometimes I'm shooting astros, sometimes I'm shooting flowers, particularly at the moment, I'm trying to shoot the flowers. Yeah, the wildflower Um, season. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to do a whole wildflower season from start to finish and and really get some really fantastic for me, um, you know, wildflower shots. I haven't managed to do it yet. Um, I think I'll try and maybe put next season aside for that. Yeah, I kind of forgot yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so I shoot astro, I shoot, I, I shoot I'm i shooting landscapes and things as well. Um, but I'm mostly posting on my Instagram account anyway, I'm mostly posting the aerials because that seems to be what people really seem to like. Yeah, and that, so yeah. my Instagram account has, I suppose, become more about the aerials Um, and it's it's I'm shooting with a drone simply because I can't afford to go up in a plane all the time yeah Um, no I understand yeah which is what I'd love to do and I've done it a couple of times now I mean it's it's completely different shooting from a drone with a drone you're in control of everything and you can I mean some of my shots are only you know maybe a meter off the ground Right, um, right. There was a reel I posted um, earlier this week. It was just a little, a cool little shape in some water. And literally, my drone was maybe, you know, half a metre off the surface of the water when I shot it. And then I sent it up. So yep. you can really isolate um, different, you know, patterns and things that you find. Yeah. Um, and you can get a really different perspective on them. And yet when you're shooting from a plane you you have to you have to see really quickly and you have yeah to be, everything's
0: about timing yeah
1: oh and and it's so fast it's incredible and with the drone i can be a lot lazier I, well it's not lazy but it's i can be a yeah, lot Take more, your time yeah totally
0: i can yeah. be more fast. so with with the with the flights i mean i i'm i'm interested in that because and you know i'll I'm, I'm not anti-drone and I'm certainly not anti-aerial or drone drone photography but for me I like to kind of be connected to what I'm taking the the, the shot with yeah. um and you know being there I mean a big part of my photography is you know having somebody get the feeling that they could stand there or they could be there and you know see the same sort of thing you know yeah. um and and give them a sense of that experience but with uh i I guess a drone that dislocation or disconnection between yourself the view that the drone has the view that you're looking through through the viewfinder or your phone or whatever it is that you, you you're controlling it with you know um how do you how do you sort of relate that to how you you know uh make the image i mean because you you can obviously see what the drone sees but you can't necessarily see everything that the drone might need to see to be in exactly the right position
1: yeah and so in that respect um generally i'll send the drone up it's quite funny i have all these good intentions of sending the drone up and doing a proper reconnaissance type you know journey through the area to see what there is but then it's kind of like, you know, people who like bling, all of a sudden, I'll see something and I'll go, oh, hang on a minute, and I get completely swept up in, in whatever it is that I've seen. And then I'll go over and I'll have a look and I'll shoot it a couple of different ways and I'll shoot it at different heights and everything. And then I'll I'll go, oh, hang on a minute, you're supposed to be, you know, having a proper look around, realizing that I've only looked at a tiny little bit. Yeah. And so I go back up and have a look at something else and then I'll find something else and then. Before I know it, I'm I'm out of battery and I've still got one charging. So I've gone through five batteries and I'm starting to lose, you know, battery power. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I really should have done that properly. I shouldn't have got so swept up in it. So I do need to plan better and I do need to be a bit more controlled perhaps when I'm flying.
0: Yeah, right right yeah. what, what about planning planning a trip how do, how do you decide where to go and what what it is that you you i mean you said you've been to the same sort of salt lakes now six times or so uh oh that was
1: just yeah that was a couple last year when i was it was nice and easy it was a quick trip and i didn't have to stay out overnight if i didn't want to right. um but no normally i um so i i have a jeep wrangler i have a rooftop tent i have drawers on the back i have a fridge I have all of the gear that I need and I just go, I decide I'm going to go to this salt lake or to that salt lake. I'll kind of look at where I've been before and where I haven't been. Mm -hmm. I'll see how I feel, how far I feel like I want to drive and I'll have a look around and see if there's anywhere that I can kind of camp pretty unobtrusively. It's a little hard to camp unobtrusively in a bright yellow Jeep, but I seem to manage it pretty well. So. so yeah, and then and then it just really depends on where I think I want to go.
0: Yeah, okay. So when there's uh, no
1: rhyme or reason to it.
0: Yeah how how far would you go for a shot? You know, on a on a typical journey, and what what's the furthest you've actually uh, gone out in? Uh, I
1: went, yeah, went out to yeah, I went out to Payne's Find. Okay. Um, I don't know how far that. I don't really take much notice of how far things are i tend to think of it more in hours of driving
0: right okay so Um, in in hours of driving how far how far would that be
1: um sometimes nine (laughs) um west
0: australia is a big place
1: (laughs) oh it's huge and if you try and just limit it to a little bit then you're kind of limiting where you can go Um, i love going up to lake Ballard. um unfortunately uh, I've only covered a tiny little bit of it, and I think I'd like to cover it in a plane. I still think I'd like to do that because there's a Mm. bunch of places around and on the way there that I could shoot if I took a plane from Kalgoorlie. Um, I think it really depends on the time of year or what has been happening with the weather as to whether you'd get any decent images or not. And then it would depend on how low you took the plane to how you'd go with that as well. But so uh, Lake Bellard is about, I think, nine hours roughly from my place. Um, I know there's a heap of camping spots on the way and I know the back roads to go. So um, I would just jump in the car. I'd probably drive for about four hours, four or five hours after work, camp out and get up early in the morning and then be driving again and be there by sort of nine o'clock in the morning should yeah. be there. Okay. Yeah. I do tend to push through a lot i know you're not supposed to drive after you know a certain time because of kangaroos and stuff like that um Mm. so i do try and be mindful of that um if my mother ever listens to this i never drive when i shouldn't
0: all right we won't tell Um,
1: (laughs) her exactly um but yeah you just you just kind of try and push through and if i'm driving you know at late at night then i stick to more main roads where there's less likely to be wildlife out
0: at night yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that that brings me uh to to some of the the risks you know if you're if you're going out alone and you know into the outback you know how do, how do you avoid that uh, wolf creek sort of situation
1: i've never watched it and i never will ever (laughs) ever. i don't
0: blame you
1: (laughs) um i i i might have a couple of um things in my vehicle that will help me to feel safer and hopefully i'll be able to utilize the shit hit the fan at any time but um yeah i just I, i try really hard to pick where i go and where i park and how i park and i sleep pretty lightly yeah right so um particularly if I'm on my own. Sometimes um, I have a housemate who sometimes comes with me and he'll put his tent up sort of over there. The way I see it is that if anyone's going to come and kill me, they'll probably try and kill him first because he's easy pickings. Um, And during that time when he's getting murdered, I've got the chance to get away.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: I've I've thought through it all. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds
0: sounds like you've thought thought about it way more than I had when I asked the question. (laughs) well
1: yeah i mean it's it's it it does uh, it it is scary it can be scary
0: it's unfortunately a reality of you know the 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 place where we live you know if you're you're out in a remote location in the middle of the night and you know you you don't hear a car pull up but it pulls up and somebody gets out you you really want to know who it is and why they're there
1: yeah absolutely so you sleep like you sleep you know with something in your hand and you know exactly what you need to do if you need to 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 get the heck out of dodge really fast.
0: So what what about the wildlife? You know, overseas listeners will be saying, oh, "What about snakes? What about spiders? What about scorpions and dingoes and what whatever else?" So yeah. I
1: can cover all of that. I have a rooftop tent, so yeah. um, I'm a kiwi. I'm terrified of spiders. You have huge spiders over here. I remember <laughs> driving home from um, from yes to Canberra once. Mm. And I happened to look at my side mirror and there was this huge, massive spider on the mirror, on the outside mirror. Yeah. Well, I was terrified and I all I had in the car was some papers. So I pulled up, pulled up in a little town under a light and I got out and I bashed the hell out of the spider until he fell off the car with these papers. I threw the papers and ran, jumped in the car and took off before he could jump back on the car. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. I haven't. I've, look, I've I've not seen. I've been in Australia nearly ten years. I've seen maybe three snakes. Um, and those two of those were on the road crossing the road. Yeah. Um, and one of them was taking off into some bushes further up. Yeah. I've only seen a scorpion that a kid pointed out to me, and the only spider problem I've had is the one with it sitting on my on camera. Barn. So yeah. actually, it's it's really not as bad as people think.
0: No, I know you you it is interesting talking to i mean I, i've got a um uh, a sister-in-law from the uk and she she was originally terrified of coming out here even for a holiday um and then she came out and you know uh, uh, my brother-in-law convinced her to uh to, to come out and yeah she absolutely loved it they drove from uh, brisbane all the way down to sydney where we are Mm. um and then down to down to melbourne in a in a camper van and she had the best time and she said she wants to come back and live so yeah <laughs> you know it, it isn't as scary as uh, as people say you know and I, I i'm i mean i've been i i grew up you know went into boy scouts and whatever do camping and traipsing around the bush for uh you know many many years before i ever picked up a camera and i think in that time i have seen about five snakes in the wild.
1: yeah
0: and they're just not yeah and i always i know i almost trod on but oh wow um but i i pulled my foot back and he just sort of went about his business and i just waited until he went about his business and then carried on down the track
1: (laughs) yeah I just, I make a lot of noise when I'm walking along. Um, So if I think that there might be snakes, because I forget, I actually forget that there's these things called snakes and there's these things over here that can kill you. And then I'll be in the middle of the middle of some bushes or something and I'll think, oh shit. And then I, and then I sort of freeze. And then I start stomping really loudly and I just get the heck out of where I am thinking this actually could be somewhere where snakes would like to hang out. And so I just get out and go right around. I take the long way
0: yeah no worries so what how, how do you think um where where you live has influenced how you shoot
1: oh definitely um i think since i've been in wa i've got my photography for well, for myself has really taken off i mean i had some nice photos and things before but it was just kind of something i did to keep me occupied um, I would go for a walk after work down to the beach and take my camera. Yep. I had a cat then that would come for walks with me and so I'd take her down by the beach and things. Um, but over here, it's it's. I have an ISO monitor, I have um, two big, huge, heavy DSLRs, um, the drone and everything and I love to use my gear so yeah. whenever I can. At one stage, I thought I might want to do weddings and things like that. I've done a couple of weddings. Uh, To be honest, I'm more of an introvert. Um, And so going out into the bush or going out around Salt Lakes or wherever on my own is actually really easy for me. And it's far less stressful than being around a whole lot of people and trying to herd cats and, you know, highly stressed out cats at the same time. So it's nice to do it. I've done, I did one for um, a good friend and I did one for my auntie back home um so i think if it, i would do that kind of work if it was on that kind of a basis but i wouldn't do it commercially i would do my head in. yeah my i take my head off to people who do wedding photography and stuff uh, I'm, they must I'm be mad but they're, they're very good
0: people that do commercial and uh you know sort of portraits and and weddings and whatever and, you know particularly people that do baby shots and whatever i i really admire in terms of their resilience, so I, I certainly couldn't do it. I, I don't have the patience personally. Um, mm. And I, I like the fact that landscape doesn't, um, you know, talk back, doesn't ask you questions, doesn't move when you don't want it to, you know, yep. often.
1: It doesn't blink. And it's <laughs> just there and it's just easy. Then it
0: doesn't complain about the result when you give it to them. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh,
1: I haven't had that, but like, but like I said, I haven't done any commercial stuff, so I think I've been okay so far. Um, I would like to do some portrait work, um, but I'd like to do it where it was able to have some, and I know portrait photographers and and portrait work has meaning for the people who are shooting it and everything like that. Um, I'd I'd quite like to do some work um, with, um, I don't know, with domestic violence survivors and things like that, what that would look like or how to get into that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure um so it just kind of sits at the back of my head that that's something that i'd like to yeah, get into at some yeah. stage. so i do do some you know I practice doing some portraits and things like that but um yeah i'd like to do something where I, where it wasn't necessarily for money but it was it was to help people and to give them a, a better sense of themselves or to help improve their their own view of themselves and and how the the world sees them kind mm. of thing you know
0: Absolutely, yeah for people that don't un, uh, or don't know the area uh, around perth and western australia you know obviously people have this uh notion of what the the outback is is like how How would you describe um you know the areas that you go and shoot and how you know what 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 would be the the, the things that people visiting those locations should be on the lookout for?
1: Uh, they're very dusty. Uh, the dust is very red, and it does get everywhere. Um, yeah. I prefer I prefer shooting sort of in the winter time because there's less flies around. Um, if you're gonna go out to those places um, anytime, probably after I don't know, probably getting into October. The flies are going to start to come. So when when I do fly in the summer, I have a long sleeve, really light shirt on. Mm-hmm. I'll have some barley pants and stuff on, and then I've got fingerless gloves um, that, that are UV protection for my hands, yeah. but also they stop the flies crawling on me and stuff. Yeah. I can't fly with a fly net on because it obscures my vision. So yeah. I just kind of had to. Go into this kind of almost semi zen sort of state <laughs> to try and ignore the flies as much as possible. So, um, but they do get hot, you just need to make sure that you have lots of water um, and that you are prepared. Gets cold at night, so having warm things and cool things and things to protect you from the sun and stuff are really important. Yeah, cool. And top what? up at every gas station,
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, because uh. Yeah, you fuel, know, fuel, and water, and everything uh, can be uh, a bit hard to find when um, when you need it if you if, yeah. if you haven't topped up.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, what what about the actual landscape itself? How how would you describe that to somebody? You know, in terms um, of so know, trying trying to build a picture in their minds.
1: It's very dry. It's very arid. Um, I I always have a sense whenever I'm out there. I I always think back to. What the the people who used to live there, so the the pioneers and everything, you know, the yep. um, the settlers, uh, the Aboriginals have it have it pretty much down pat. They understand the land and they know how to work with it. Mm. Um, but those poor pioneers, those poor gold miners and everything, I just I. I
0: yeah it turned up from England and Cornwall and whatever, and went, yeah what the hell have I got myself into here. <laughs>
1: and and I yeah, so i have a I have a real appreciation for the the um, hardships they faced and and um, and how they got through. and And then when you're standing at when you're sitting in the middle of a Salt lake at night, like I've done this a few times, particularly at Lake Ballard, you sit in the middle of or quite a way into the middle of Lake Ballard and it's nighttime and there's a million trillion stars above you and there's nothing else and the winds whip up on the salt lakes at night they really seem to whip up and it's almost like it's almost like you can hear the the ghosts of people past you wonder who died out here and what happened and what would you that's when you really get that whole big sense of you know how did they survive and, and what happened to those that didn't survive and where are they and you can almost kind of feel it it's um it's airy but it's actually really cool it's not scary
0: yeah yeah no i'm I'm, uh, I'm i'm getting an absolutely beautiful picture in my head anyway
1: <laughs> the colors are just amazing like you drive over a hill and you don't really see them when you're standing on the ground but when you send the drone up even just a little bit the colors and and even on the Nullarbor, I know so many people who have driven across the Nullarbor and they say, "Oh, it's so boring. It's a really horrible place." Uh, you know what? I could happily spend a week to two weeks out there exploring. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And when you send, when you're looking at it from um, a higher perspective, the higher you go, the the colour changes and becomes yep. more intense. And depending on the time of day, depending on what the lights like and everything like that, you just get some incredible, incredible, amazing vistas. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's just yeah. beautiful, it really. Is
0: have you in in talking about the Nullarbor? Have you explored any of the uh, the sinkholes and you know sort of? No, not yet. Not, not so much no. the caves themselves because you you kind of really want to be a, a, a you know very skilled spelunker to uh, to, to get into those, but. Um, yeah I, I i have seen some fascinating drone shots uh in and around some of the areas there with the with the sinkholes and uh, yeah cool yeah i um, mean once we
1: get past we, another thing we,
0: to put on your list
1: <laughs> well yeah i know i've got a long list once but definitely i want to go back to the nullarbor because um i the first um plane that i shot from was at lake Er and um uh, someone who I, whose work I really admire and whose, whose aerial photography I first saw. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. Um, and then when drones came out, I thought, well, I wonder if I can do something nowhere near that level, but yeah. sort of, you know, start to have a look at that stuff. And, um, anyway, he said to me, one day, um, I ran into him at a, at a photography thing. And he said, he said, I said to him, I said, know, you inspired me with your, um, Aerial images, and I went out and I bought a drone and sent the drone up. And God knows what he thought when I said that. It was quite. Thinking back on it, I thought it was quite funny. And he said, "He said go up in a plane." He said, "I challenge you to go up in a plane." And I thought, right. So I saved up and went over to Lake Hare and um, flew over that, and it was it just blew my mind. It was just the most amazing thing. Mm. And then coming back, um, we stopped along the Nullarbor. There's a little. There was a little town called Cook. And I I'd, I'd read about it in a Qantas magazine years ago and I thought, well, there's a little town called Cook, my last name's Cook. I should probably go there. Why so not? I did. So yeah. And it was interesting. There was the school was there. Um, I camped in the grounds of the hospital. So the hospital was completely knocked down. There was, you could see the layout and the um, borders and a couple of the bricks and things like that. We just camped in the in the um, car park, and the old school was there. There was um, and there was quite a bit of history. It's still it's still part of the transnational whatever rail um, yep. that goes through. Yep. Um, there was um, a few dingoes out there. I'm pretty sure there was some bright shiny eyes looking back through, reflecting the um, campfire, um, which was a bit weird, but that's okay they can't climb up a rooftop tent, I'm pretty sure. And if anybody yeah. wants to tell me that they can, I'm just not going to listen. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, no, it's just... And then um, flying the drone sort of out from there and stuff and just sending it up and looking at the colours of the Nullarbor and stuff, it's just it's just beautiful. Um, yeah. You know, you can go out there and do macro and everything. There's, there's so much to explore. It's just amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, looking at your images in particular, I... I, I don't think I ever realized how many shades of red and brown and orange there actually are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's one thing that your your work has really portrayed as I mean, and it's, I'm not saying that's the it's monotone in terms of they're the only colors that you'll see. But, uh, you know, it, it's just phenomenal, the the, the range of uh, of colors that you were able to bring out.
1: Mm. It's incredible. Um I generally prefer to fly first thing in the morning and yep. then sort of last thing at night. So I I I don't like to fly sort of in the middle of the day or anything. I know that I've got all the filters and everything like that, but um depending what I'm after and what I'm looking for, and depending on the weather, what if it's if it's kind of cloudy, then I'll I'll fly. Yeah, but if yeah. it's just, you know, blue sky and everything, then I tend not to sort of fly around those times of day. Batteries go down pretty quick. It's pretty hot and um you don't get the same colors coming through, but when you've got that beautiful, nice golden light. That yeah, that early morning, days, late like, evening light. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: yeah, it's really, really well, pretty. Yeah, you know, the, the, the quality of light at that time is, I guess, why a lot of people you know, listening to this had probably got into landscape photography in the first place, you know, because mm-hmm. you you see that golden light or or blue hour light or whatever and you just go oh i'm in love with this yeah i want i want want to see that every day
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: so what's the 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 most memorable place that you've shot and you know and why
1: oh wow good question i don't know there's the pinks of 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 the lakes and cranbrook there's the the gorgeous greens of the ocean the bluey greens of the ocean there's the beautiful deep reds and the pale reds and the pinks and everything of in of, of you know sort of the outbackish one more, more regional areas I don't know actually I, I love I love going out into the um and it's kind of weird because I wasn't brought up in the country but I love going out into the wheat belt and, and particularly when the um, crops are and, and they're growing because you get all those different beautiful colors. In fact, I was playing with a photo earlier today of a wheat field. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just did a bit of um, ICM motion on, okay. So and you've got all the greens and the yellows and and just little tips of pinks because of the time of day and stuff. I don't know, I think I always go back to Lake Bellard. I love the gold fields, absolutely love that region. I don't know why, I'm a bit nuts maybe. Um, I can't pick a favorite. Yeah. I haven't seen enough yet. I've I have I've barely scratched the surface of it, really. Yeah. It's such a big state.
0: Oh, absolutely. Have you have you uh shot up uh Broom and the Kimberley yet or?
1: No, I haven't. I I went up to um I was supposed to be in Sydney for Christmas last year, um mm-hmm. partying in the in um in the city on New Year's Eve, but obviously that got canned. So I went, drove up to Onslow instead, which is a little town just up on the coast. It's just, um, I didn't quite get as far as Yep. Um, and if I had gone inland, I think I would've got to Karajini National Park or some part of that, but I only had, I had six days. So I literally drove, stopped, drove, stopped and just explored along the way. And I just see an expanse of, of, just land with nothing and so i would just get out and send the drone up and have a look um and then see what i got from that which was a pretty cool way to do it mm. so the furthest north i've been so far is onslow and um right. yeah
0: so yeah. far. no i, I mean I've, I've taken a trip I've, I've flew into broome uh so i haven't haven't done the drive there but uh um the the, the colors up there are just astounding you know the greens mm. of of the foliage the the white sand the red you know ochre rocks and uh you know and then the blues and turquoises of the of the ocean is you know if you're if you're into color it's
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah i mean it 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 really you you see the postcard shots of those colors and it it really looks that way, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was like X-Mouth. I, I did stop yeah. at X-Mouth just for like a half a day on my Christmas trip. And the colours were just amazing there as well. It was just, yeah, it was really incredible. Yeah. I applied for a job in Broome because I um, figured that a week wasn't going to cut it with the Kimberley and, and up that yeah, way. I, was want to spend I don't think a week's
0: anywhere near enough for the Kimberley. <laughs> uh,
1: and I'd probably want to drive because then I've got all my gear and I know exactly where everything is. I can charge probably. everything up and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. it's on my list definitely near the top
0: <laughs> so what piece of kit can't you live without
1: um my phone my phone drives everything
0: yeah
1: um pro- probably my definitely my drone um definitely at least one of my bodies probably the 7 200 and my car those yeah, are
0: the things that I need. I can't get around without
1: that, I guess. I can't get, no, I can't get to where I want to go without that, definitely. I certainly probably couldn't get to most of those spots in a normal car.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because I, I like to go where other people kind of don't go. I don't tend to want to go to, I don't tend to want to go where other people have been shooting from and shoot those same kind of images, even from my own perspective. I like to try and go somewhere different.
0: Yeah, get, get something unique. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what yeah. tips would you have for somebody that wanted to get into the, the sort of aerial photography that you you, you do?
1: Um, I'd tell them to get a drone and then I would tell them to fly. it. I would tell them not to worry about crashing it. I would tell them not to worry about um, it falling into the water um, at all, because the chances of that happening are pretty slim. As long as you look after your gear, as long as you look after your drone and as long as you fly it responsibly, so I have my um, remote pilot's license for the drone. um, And I've had that for three years now and I felt it was really important to get that to go through the training and and to do that. One, so that I'm legit um, and so that if I wanted to, if I chose to try and get permission to fly somewhere, then it would be a lot easier than someone who didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. And know, I'd much rather fly properly and know what I'm doing and know, you know, sort of how to handle different weather patterns and things that came up and, and you know, what, what the potential issues would be and stuff like that. So I would just tell them to get out there and fly and to practice, and to, but to go out of town a little bit and to sit down, find a paddock or something and sit down and just practice and practice and practice until they felt really comfortable with it.
0: And then to enjoy it yeah cool <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think that's a, that that's a really important part particularly what you touched on in terms of you know getting your, your pilot's license here in australia anyway i'm you know mm-hmm. I, I can't talk to the 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 rules and regulations overseas but uh casa certainly takes a, a dim view of people uh, just flying the their drones around willy-nilly and i know national parks aren't. Uh, Ter- terribly impressed and, um, you know, there's certain parks that actually ban them entirely. Yeah. Um, and the only way that you can use them is if you get, you know, special permission and so forth. And as you say, without that qualification of the pilot's licence, they're very unlikely to give you any kind of shot at, uh, you know, get, getting at going somewhere that you you know, getting permit that you, you, you normally yeah. couldn't go, yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's not to say that getting the pilot's license is, is essential for anyone who wants to fly a drone. Because I know there's lots of people, there's some big names who fly drones even over here in WA that um, and get some beautiful, amazing shots. And I'm pretty sure that they're still they're not being idiots with it or anything like that. So it's yeah. about being responsible. And it's about knowing what you can and can't do, Absolutely. what you should and shouldn't do, being respectful of people and property and things like that. I tend not to fly around town really at all. Um, I'm lucky enough to live about four minutes from the beach. um, So Indian Oceans, just over there, um, which is really cool. Um, And so I can take the drone down and I can just fly it along there as much as I want to. Um, There's not a lot of people up the sand where I live. So I'm not flying it over people. And I'm always really careful if I do see people around. And I want to fly the drone or anything. I'll always say to them, "Hey, look, I'm just going to fly my drone around here. I won't be taking photos of you." Da da da, and I'll just sort of make sure that they're aware of it and they're okay with it. And yeah. I haven't had anyone haven't had anyone get um, sort of grumpy or aggressive or anything at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want to be that person either. You know that you know People no. are ringing the council or you know. yeah. Uh, yeah about. i
1: don't yeah i just, i just i just prefer to um you know just go and do my thing and and do no harm to anyone and have nobody do any harm to me i guess
0: yeah no that's wor- words to live by <laughs>
1: yeah yeah just stay out of trouble
0: yeah, yeah yeah so i guess um one one of the other things i wanted to talk to you about is uh you know i guess the the environmental responsibility you know going out camping, you know, going into what can be, you know, a, a salt lake can be actually, I mean, it looks dry, dusty and like nothing lives there, but it can be a very complex and very fragile ecosystem. And, you know, we, we've we all sort of heard the the horror stories of, you know, places getting trashed, you know, people, you know, wandering through the lavender fields, say, in France and that that sort of thing, you know, the canola fields as well, you know. And yeah. jumping over fences and all, all, all the rest of that. Um, have you seen much evidence of that sort of behaviour, or you know, in, in your travels? Or, I mean, I'm you're you're obviously going to be responsible with what you're doing, but yeah. you know, not everyone else is.
1: Not really. I, I noticed there's a lot of there's a hell of a lot of rubbish around. Like people just don't really care about. Yeah. They just dump their rubbish. There's so much rubbish through the place. It's it's actually really sad. Um, I've been. On my way to places, and and I've known, um, you know, done a little bit of research and seen that there's a, a tourist spot. So, one particular place, I can't remember what the town was called, but there was an old, it was an old school site, and I quite like looking at those kinds of things. Particularly when you go through the goldfields and stuff, you'll see like there's a, um, um, on the, I can't remember what the name of it is. I'm having a brain fade tonight.
0: That's okay. Um,
1: but you'll see all these old towns and things, and there's only rubble there, or there's a sign to say that there was a school there like a yeah. hundred years ago or so. So we stopped at this one in particular and went and had a look, and there was all these bushes and stuff. And I thought, well, maybe there's a bit of ruins just over this little hill. Went over the hill and there was it was, it was, it it looked like it had been a city dump for a very mm-hmm. long time. There was old tyres, there was washing machines, there was um Somebody's dirty nappies from probably about 10 15 years ago that they just don't break down, they no. you know they don't, they just sit there, and the tires don't really break down. These tires probably would have been about 20 30 years old or so. Yeah, big, big pieces of um wire, and just people it's such a throwaway society these days. There's old beds, there's old fridges, there's old um couches and everything and it's just really sad and people just don't seem to care and Mm. they just they just go and dump stuff wherever and they don't really think about the impact it has on on the animals around or the wildlife around or anything like that or what it's even doing to the earth
0: yeah it's
1: it's, and it it looks terrible it's just it's just really sad yeah I I,
0: I, i know exactly what you mean and i think you know from from my perspective, you know, or well, I mean, a lot of people's perspective as a photographer, you know, you're going out to portray the the beauty, particularly you know the the natural beauty of the world, you know, or the man made. But you know, mm. if you're if you're out there in nature, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see somebody's you know fifteen year old nappies. You know,
1: <laughs> no, exactly. And I always have rubbish bags on board, um, and I have my rubbish bag over my rear tyre, of course, as well. So I do often stop and just pick up all the rubbish that's around, just to try and just because it, it just it's just horrible, you know. And I know that we don't have really many international visitors or anything at the moment, but I thought I thought Australians were proud of their country, and I, th- I think everybody should be proud of their country, no matter where they are or oh, where well. they live. And they everyone has a duty to look after it and to treat it with respect. Yeah. And um, I'd like them to do that.
0: Yeah, Is there any and particular-
1: get us you No. Know? sorry and get a spade so that when they're they're traveling and they're staying in the car or whatever and they need to do anything they you know do that properly with a spade and bury it
0: yeah no totally um are there any photographers that you go to for advice
1: um not really i used to belong to a camera club um i haven't belonged to that for probably a couple of years now um, having said that, I have been thinking maybe I should again just just because I miss out on um, the workshops and so going along and hearing someone speak like I've I've heard yep. a number of people speak over here like Steve Wise is a fantastic um, portrait photographer um, Tony Hewitt for aerial photography mm. um, I did a, a aerial masterclass with him earlier this year.
0: Okay, that'd, um, that so would
1: that would be Oh, yeah. wow, it was amazing It totally blew my mind i was sitting in the plane and i was like tony hewitt's in front of me and i'm like you're be kidding me this is just ridiculous <laughs> um but yeah it was really cool um and i was able to pick his brain a little bit and then i do know a, a few people so i'll you know check to other photographers or whatever that i know or else i'll just google it i google a lot
0: yeah yeah i'm, I'm yeah. very much the same yeah so what, what about a
1: couple of i've got a couple of courses of um adam williams um editing courses that i I, i'm still to get to but luckily i have a lifetime to do those i hope adam please so yeah (laughs) yeah
0: so uh what what about people that uh you think i i should be talking to on the podcast is there anyone that uh you know i that that's caught your eye that um you you think I, i i need to talk to
1: I don't know. There's um I follow a lot of people. I follow probably, I suppose, in some people's minds, too many people, but I follow a lot of um people who shoot aerial and just landscapes and stuff, and mainly from places like Iceland and I, I follow some New Zealanders um and people like that. I I'm always looking for different stuff. Um so as to who you should talk to, I'm not quite sure. That's okay. I don't know. I can I can I can think on that one and let you know.
0: Yeah, no worries. That would that, will be fine. That'll be fine. So if you weren't a photographer, what would you be?
1: Bored. Bored really <laughs> bored Um, I don't I don't know. Um this is what I love to do. This is my happy place. It's it's mm. um, I I like nothing better than packing the car up and getting out of Dodge and going off and just seeing what there is. And even if I come back with images that I finally, when I get back, I think, oh, you know, that's not very good or whatever, I can put that aside, but it's it's just even being out there and just having the opportunity to shoot. Um, At the moment, I've spent the last two weekends at home, the three before that I was away um, because I know COVID's going to get here sometime. This delta variant's going to get to WA sometime and, and it's all going to hit the fan and we're going to be in lockdown forever. So I need to get out as much as possible to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just I, I don't know what I would do. I, I can't imagine.
0: <laughs> I just
1: I just can't imagine a life without it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah,
0: that's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, I've got one last question for you, and it's uh, for me the the most important question that I can ask anybody, and uh, that is, do you like pineapple on pizza?
1: Ah, I've heard you ask this before. <laughs> um, so I like a teeny little bit of pineapple. I don't mind if there's a little bit of pineapple, but if there's a whole lot, it just ruins it.
0: So you're not you're not buying the uh, the, the ham and pineapple, the the, the Hawaiian at the shop. We are,
1: we have hawaiians back um back home as well and i always when i get a hawaiian i will scrape off half of the pineapple because in my opinion they put too much on it's nice just for a nice little bite of sweetness yep um, but it's i don't want it drowning in it otherwise i might as well just eat a pineapple
0: no good on you <laughs>
1: yeah
0: all right well thank thank you very very much uh tracy for talking to me um i've really enjoyed catching up with you and it's uh, fantastic to hear about how you do your thing where can people find your work
1: um mainly on instagram my mother did remind me this morning that i need to um do something about putting a website together Um, and i told her the same thing i've been telling her for the last couple of years i'm on it mum i'm thinking about it i'm kind of working on it Um, so yeah instagram tracy cook photography um, is where you'll find all my stuff
0: fantastic all right thanks, thanks Tracy. You very much
1: i really appreciate it it's been nice talking to you
0: no problem thanks again all thank right. you for listening to landscape photography world i hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because i'm going to be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes you can find my work and this podcast at grant i'm also on instagram twitter and facebook i'm grant Swinburne. hope to see you out shooting soon